0: Thanks to Theragun for supporting Made Women. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days by going to theragun.com slash madewomen. Welcome to Made Motherfucking Women with Chris Kushner and Dre DeMatteo. Anyway, here we are, Chris. Um, episode number 11, Nobody Knows Anything. How come they didn't say nobody knows nothing? Nobody this, knows Nobody nothing. knows anything. What is this proper nobody language? When Polly Walnut says it, when he says, you know... Well, with backs, they say that nobody knows anything. And I hear him say that and I say, no. That's like him saying mozzarella, okay? It should mean, say, uh,
1: yeah, nobody ain't no, yeah, nobody knows nothing. Nobody, nobody no. knows
0: nothing. Anyways, this is written by Frank Renzulli, one of our best writers, back from season one. And Henry Bronte, he directed this episode and he was our UPM. So he was our unit production manager. So this was a big deal when he got to direct an episode. And I think he did an amazing, amazing job, except for there's one shot that always confuses me, which is the overhead piano shot. And I'm sort of like, what, why did we, did we really need that shot? I wonder if we needed that shot. Yeah. At at, at
1: Carmela's open house. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Previously on The Sopranos, on episode 10, A Hit is a Hit, Christopher Pauly and Pussy pull off a a once-in-a-lifetime score when they rob and kill a Colombian drug dealer. Adriana, that's me, decides Mm -hmm. to get into the music business as a producer with Christopher as the financial backer for the band visiting day. However, the person introducing them to the business rapper, massive genius, as the, has other motives that involve hesh and a long-term, a long overdue debt.
1: Episode eleven recap: Nobody knows nothing. Thank nobody you, knows for, thank nothing.
0: You. You're welcome. Yep, I just changed it. Sorry, David Chase. You're going to kill me. Sorry, Frank Fronzuli. Nobody knows nothing.
1: Despite mounting evidence, Tony is reluctant to believe Makazian when he tells him that Big Pussy is an FBI informant. Makazian, humiliated after getting arrested at the brothel and living under the crushing weight of gambling debts, commits suicide by dr- jumping off a bridge. Jimmy is caught up in an FBI raid and is back on the street very quickly. Tony believes him to be the informant, clearing Big Pussy, at least in his mind. So it comes as a shock when Pussy goes missing. Olivia is Furious that Tony sold her home. While she's complaining, Junior decides it's time to make his move and Mikey has to hire two hitmen to take Tony out. This partic- particular episode started off so playful and then, like, bam, totally serious, right in. You know, like, first it was uh, who was that character, Mop and Glow dude? The doctor. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I they're that. at the brothel. And the mo- and they're like, you know, I guess Big Pussy was having sex at the whorehouse, mm-hmm. has a heart attack, right? Or no, no, no. I mean, no. has a heart attack. What am I talking no. about? C- pulls his back out. I was having a heart attack when I saw Mr. Dr. <laughs> fucking Mop and Glow. Mop and Glow. Oh, my God. That's classic call-
0: Sopranos, by the way. Classic Sopranos. Classic, like, uh, I mean, What was he jokes. mopping? Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, that, so we're at the scene- brothel. Quar they house. open up in the brothel. Yeah, T- um, uh,
1: Sirico's in heaven, and then uh, Markazian. Markazian. Am I saying that correctly? Markazian. Markazian. Call him Vin. I call him
0: Vin. I don't. I've, i call I've him never related to his last name. Let's call him okay, John Bird. Because oh, guess what? John that Vin's actor, great. He's so good. I mean, one of the greatest. And that must have been a tough kill for David because he is a fantastic, fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, Um, he was at that,
1: he was at that whorehouse, right? He came out in that first scene. I, was he there? I think he, I I think he shows up in the end where you Mm -hmm. see him in the back
0: and something's brewing. I think in my mind, something's brewing because we don't, you know, as we get into the show, we don't know if his ploy to snitch on pussy is to um relieve himself of his debt or if it's actually because he wants to protect
1: Tony because I do think he loves Tony I think he yeah told you see that when he's trying to relay and he's trying to why are you so mean to me I mean I'm jumping ahead now, but there's that conversation that he has to Tony with like you know yeah oh, he's he's he wants to connect with him and he doesn't feel respected in any way yeah. but um. So then they jumped to that card game four days later, which is kind of funny that they did like a time lapse for me, what stood out right there, the feds rated it. And it was, um, I guess Pussy and Jimmy were the ones who, who both got arrested. Right. And, but Pussy ran. Pussy ran. Junior says, we don't run. It's embarrassing. Love that line. But the fact that true. Pussy. But wait, 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 wait. The fact that Pussy ran when he just hurt his back gives you a little more uncertainty. Is his back really hurt? Is that is this all part of the, you know, the ambiguity of the episode? Because he was running. Yeah. And so you know, can't really
0: tell when he's running, if his back is bothering him. You just
1: can tell that the motherfucker can't breathe. He got well, <laughs> he's overweight, so you don't know if it's overweight. Is it a back yeah. issue? And it's funny the way the two men Jimmy and um, Pussy, they both relate. I mean, they they both react to the feds totally different. One runs and the other one's an asshole. Yeah. You know, and you see like, so which is the one you think that, which I feel like it was giving you like a little clue back then. Because a person who's an asshole feels, I mean, now knowing that he was the rat. He didn't have to run. You know, yeah.
0: Jimmy didn't have to run because if he's exactly. really working with the Feds, he can he's be protected. Asshole. Yeah, he he's protected and he can act. He can act. You know, so we don't know. We still don't really know. We're not really gonna know. Have real answers probably till season two. I would say about the whole situation. But uh, I found there was one thing that was really interesting. By the way, hmm. when Jimmy Altieri gets out, who's Joe Bataluk, who was our prop guy on the show, I think I've told you that before, which explains why his acting is a little different from everybody else's acting. He's a little more he's a little more stiff, but they loved him and they gave him a part on the show and he, he crushed Amazing.
1: it. People um, love stories like that, though. You know, like, yeah, it was cool. It was a good story. it was cool
0: that he was on it, but he uh, he makes a comment at, at the um, in, in Tony's laundry room. He says, I told them that I that, that place, that that thing was there when I rented the place. Um, meaning that he rents the Bing. So Who? the Bing is his? Who Jimmy Altieri. The
1: no, they weren't at the Bing. So when they were doing the card game, is that what you're talking about? They yeah, were, where were they? They, were, they weren't at the Bing. That's what I thought, too. And then I did a little research. They were <sighs> at some random, like bar that they have in the back house yeah no no i can't wait till everybody comes
0: down on the cast member from the sopranos for not having her facts straight no i
1: love it no i don't know because maybe i'm wrong i could be wrong maybe what i read was wrong but that's what they were saying that they were at some other bar i don't know
0: total sense because i was thoroughly confused and i went back and i looked and i thought this looks just like the Bing. I'm totally confused, but I need—I you know, would need to go back and look again. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so let's go. Let's go back. Uh, it's about a Bing. Where are we? Where are we? We're at the Bing. They're now just, we're at the Bing. Every. Yeah. Vinny gets out. He gets out. Of Vin- I'm calling him Vinny, of course. Um, Pussy gets out. Um, Pussy. he's he's farting. They're still making fun of him. The guy's out of breath, lifting his dick to take a leak. Uh, I like that line. That's cute. The guy's
1: That's out of breath. Up. His dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, I think they're all but they're all busting his balls. But do do they realize at that time that he pussy got out really quickly? Like, do do they realize that, or are they just like, yeah? This
0: episode is is over a quick period of time, I believe. Yeah, he gets out pretty quickly. But then we end. We cut. We cut from that to Maciasian. Am I right? At the docks. Yeah, at the docks. The docks, mm-hmm. right? He, they meet at the docks, and he tells him yes. um, that Vinny's a rat. Yes, yeah. There, it's like some boat. There, like it's some boat area. There, um, not Vinny's
1: a rat. Pussy's a rat, and he's wired for sound. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Pussy's wired for sound. I think. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Is yeah. your pussy wired
1: for sound? Because I'm curious. My pussy's wired. <laughs> well, it has to be. My um, husband's a musician, so of course it's wired for sound.
0: <laughs> something was happening in the scene that I don't yeah. know if anyone picked up on it. I could mm. be totally wrong, but it drove me crazy and I've watched it several times. I don't know if anyone hears one of their car doors chiming through the entire scene and how they didn't fix that in ADR, which is how we fix sound after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um is mind-blowing to me. So that car is chiming the whole time. And I remember thinking to myself on a million scenes where my car door has been chiming and they get after me and they say, we have to redo it. You left your car door open. We told you a hundred times. And I'm like, fuck you. You fucking don't talk to me like that. And then they're right. And I'm thinking in my head, it's real life. The car door would chime. I would leave the freaking car <laughs> like that. Well, no, it was. Bing, bing. I didn't bing. hear it at all. Oh, it mean, drove me crazy. Anyway, so that's totally the scene non-consequential.
1: when, when Vin Marcasian is complaining to Tony that he's not nice to him, right?
0: Yeah, there's that part which um which is is sad, um, but when Tony explains to him why uh, Vinny might run um and why he would speak to the feds, he talks to him about this big heroin bust that happened in Vegas. Oh, I got my Las Vegas shirt on. Wait, when? Who say that again? Um, because when? the feds have the feds have info on Pussy because Pussy's overworking himself because he has to put mm. his kids through school, so he's involved in drugs. Now I don't know if you know this, but in the mafia world, being involved in drugs—I yeah, don't know about now, but I know when I was young, um, and, and probably even earlier into the '50s and '60s—like you don't fuck with drugs. You don't, that's not part the, the mobsters don't like that, that that's the no. dirty shit. That's the white trash shit. It's not classy enough for these murderers. Right. So he also says to, to Tony, who is this guy, pussy, a man who loves his family above all else. And that's, you know, that hits Tony. That's got to hit Tony because. A, Tony is a man who loves his family above all else. So yeah. what would I do in that situation, he must be thinking. Like, what would I do? Um, do you, which family? He loves his family above all else. The question is, which family? Um, the one you took the omerta with or your family of children that rely upon you for protection and support and guidance, you know? So...
1: That's me, where was, we're at with that. It was really great. To, I mean, interesting to see, like, Tony was trying to, like... You saw him trying to compute this and take it in and make it make sense. And that's, you know, the scene between Vin and Tony, and he was just like, look, this makes sense because X, Y, Z. And Tony was really trying to take it in. He's like, no, I love that man. Which Yeah, there was know. some intense acting
0: in this yeah. episode for for Tony. He You really see his... Um, you see the moments that people talk about um, from behind the scenes on set when people are like, so what was Tony like on set? And, you know, he was, you know, in those moments, that's an animal in a cage. You know, he's just waiting to come out of his cage to play those scenes. So sometimes he's coming out hot and heavy and other times you know, you you always wonder, I always wondered what the choices were going to be. So it's always, it was always exciting. Aida was like that too. Okay, so where are we? So um, we're at the
1: Soprano open house, which I didn't understand why she was having a party at the open house. And this is when he's, um, Tony's asking Pussy to help him move the piano, which I thought was a test. He was testing his back. Oh, of course it was a test. He was like, but no, hey, "Nobody how many people like, oh, can't do this? What?
0: Nobody had told him his back wasn't okay yet. Right? I don't think he had that conversation with uh, Pauly. He has that conversation with Pauly at that party where yeah. Pauly tells him, um, I sent him to the Jonas Salk of Bax.
1: All right. So Tony Soprano's open house. Carmella is getting uh, mad that Livia's is not showing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. She's like, he's like, be nice. You're too nice or whatever he says. Um, and she <clears throat> is. And then Pauly basically Melfi. tells Tony "Yeah, that right. um, it's bullshit, that he went to the same doctor, it's not working out, or the, the test said that they don't know what's wrong. and So, boom. Next
0: obvious step, let's go to the psychiatrist to ask her if there could be some psychological reason why one's back would hurt. Yes. I know that for me, <clears throat> in my life, carrying a lot on my back... As a metaphor, definitely messes with the, the, the constitution of my actual back, as you know. Yeah. Stress. It's just stress.
1: We um, carry so, yeah, so Melfi.
0: Yeah. Um, and I have major, major back problems. So I get it. But I think the thing that hits him the most is the minute she says the word secrets.
1: I know. Um, it hit him which,
0: in the gut hit him in the gut, that translates to guilt and carrying a heavy load. And mm-hmm. I think um, that for him, it goes two ways. He is living a life of secrets, carrying a heavy load, but his manifests in panic attacks. So you're seeing all his friends sort of going through similar... Um, they all have similar problems. They're, they're all nervous about their lives and the uncertainty of their lives um, and the nothingness and the regularness and the, the, the fear and all of these things. And when, when the boys talk about but it it's what, in yeah, a few episodes later, you hear it where they're, they all kind of identify it's a quiet moment, but that's a few episodes later. Um
1: That's a crime yeah, life, it's, right? That's the, that's the mafiosa. It's like, there's nothing good. It's not like you're a doctor where you get that paycheck every. Every week, every month, no. whatever you know—it's like what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like what I do. You never me know too. when you're going to get paid.
1: Exactly. Same with my husband and me. <laughs> yeah. Project project based paying. So they have to kill mm-hmm. people. We have to perform or do. something I might else. have to
0: kill people
1: to get paid sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's leave uh, that in. Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway Um, what i think is funny in that scene wait no no in that scene um when tony asks for like he really wants her to weigh in and she's like "Uh uh-uh she's like last time i weighed in you yelled and cursed at me she's like i don't know if i feel safe and she's really reluctant to weigh in again he's he wants it so bad that he's like no no i'm fine just let me know what you think and that's when she says the secret thing that you said well,
0: I jumped ahead a little bit and I can't believe how he goes after her later, but I'm gonna zip it.com right now. Yeah, um, zip it.com. It's the whorehouse. So now we go back. We go from Melfi's to the to the whorehouse. So uh Marques-
1: this is a Marquesian. quiet this is
0: a quiet scene between the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. this was interesting to me. There was a moment where where she says the the, the madam Mm-hmm. She opens that scene by saying, I don't, what does she say? I don't, um, I don't, be- I don't believe it. I don't see how it could be true or I don't believe any of this. She opens that scene with that. She clearly, the madam. She's, She's in that scene. To, She's who holding she talking drink. to? She walks between them. So the scene opens with her line. Oh, He's, about uh, pussy.
1: Vin yeah, is yeah, on yeah. the
0: couch. Tony's standing up. Um, and she walks through the scene and says, I don't see how any of this could be true. I don't know exactly what her line is, but it's something along those lines. And then you jump cut to her later on after he's committed suicide and he's, and Tony is trying to get information out of her asking her what she knows. And she, you know, does, she talks about it as though she had never mentioned that line. And I felt like that might have might have been a glitch, might have been a leftover, but I can't imagine that the show would ever do such a thing because they're mm-hmm. so they were so meticulous. But then again, it le- it left the ambiguity, the uh, ambiguity. Oh my god! Ambiguity. I'm really, I'm doing
1: it's okay. good
0: today. Um, yeah, the ambiguity of of what like I was sort of like, what is she? It's like she's changing her story slightly.
1: Well, it's just showing also the relationship between Vin and that madam. And he really, is that the scene where he really shows his connection to her? He's talking to Tony. Um, Tony's asking for the 302, right? He wants proof. Uh, Yeah, He wants concrete evidence. This is someone who was in his inner circle slash family, his other family. And, you know, he needs to see, he he doesn't want to be ambiguous about this.
0: Yes. Wait, the so, best is
1: Tony goes off on Vin because Vin is asking him, like, for the. He's saying, like, you know, yeah, I'm complaining about you. And Tony says, he says, sorry, I don't have time to suck your dick.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Chris, funny you should say that. I oh. went to a way darker place with this scene. Um, you did? I did. I, uh, this scene struck me in a few ways. If we're going to get into the relate aspects, first of all, he says to him, um, you're a degenerate gambler with a badge. And then Vin says to him, you know, you have the ability to sum up a man in one sentence. And my point with, um, this is not my relate sentence or, um, thought this was more about, um, how you can't sum up a man in one sentence. And a man is not just a degenerate gambler. Like my grandfather was a degenerate gambler and that was all I ever knew about him growing up. Um, But I'm sure he was many more things that made him the monster that supposedly he was within my family's world. Um, Again, you know, a wife beater, a cheater, all of these things. And then Vin McKazian also tells him the story that's really profound. And it's his moment on the show where he explains to him why he would hide under a bed yeah. in his life and why he was scared. And I don't know if I ever told you a story about me when I was little with my parents having an enormous fight when I was little. And um, there was a gun. I will say that there was definitely a gun and a crazy mom. And I, know where, was, I know
1: where you're going with this. Go and she
0: um, And people are going to be mortified by the story. But you know what? It's the truth. And my mom actually writes about it in one of her plays. So I have no problem telling the story because all of our stories are kind of up for grabs. But yeah. there was a gun. She grabbed it. She said, I'm going to fucking shoot you because he was cheating on her for a, a moment in time. He wasn't a she big was talking.
1: She was talking to your father.
0: She was talking to my dad. She was screaming, I'm going to, I'll shoot you with this gun. First, she was trying to to swallow a bunch of Tylenols, which that wasn't going to work. And then then she saw the the gun. She knew where his gun was that he had it hidden. She grabbed it. Now, I'm a little girl standing at the very end of the hallway, and I'm watching this go down, and I'm like, she's going to shoot my dad. I loved my dad. I love my mom, too. But I was like, she's going to shoot my dad. So the minute he got the gun away from her and he put it down... I snuck in, grabbed the gun, went into my closet, that. and this is when we moved into Manhattan into Aretha Franklin's old
1: house, which is this is a nice Wait, you little left...
0: respite. This is a little respite from the the the, the <laughs> drama of the story. It was Aretha Wait, Franklin's apartment. You told
1: me this story before. You totally left that part out. That's it was huge. Aretha Franklin's house. Oh my god. Okay, go ahead. Yeah.
0: So. um she was, we had bought, she was out of there. It wasn't like, she yeah. was like, Hey, do you guys want to rent my house for me while I'm out of town? Airbnb. No, it wasn't like that. Um, so I, I, didn't have my nanny or my grandma there. We weren't used to living in Manhattan. I always lived in Queens. So when we went went into Manhattan, during that Manhattan time, my parents were tearing each other to shreds. And what this meant for my mother, having witnessed her own mother getting the shit beat out of her by her husband and him cheating, like this meant a lot to her. But as an eight-year-old child, which was me, seven-year-old child, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know any of these things. Um, again, nothing is black and white. Um, there's a, a million colors to how we all arrive at the place that we're at, where we're there hurting people. So I take that gun, I go into the closet, and because my nanny wasn't there, because it was the the New York house, and because my grandmother wasn't there, I was home alone. And both my parents left, forgetting mm-hmm. that there wasn't a nanny And they were all filled with their drama and everything that was going on. They had no idea where I was. I woke up the next morning with the gun like this, sleeping.
1: Oh, my God. To my 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 tiny little head. You can tell me this story. This is like only the second time I've heard this, but I still have the same reaction for you. And I can't believe that you turned out the way you did, having had (laughs) that. Just saying. You mean (laughs) totally normal? Because I'm fucking normal. No, you should, be, you should be in a fucking mental hospital. <laughs> no, just...
0: because you know what? My my. Pain, because you know, you know why I'm not in a mental hospital? Because nothing's black and white. And because there is so much uncertainty. And I didn't know a lot, but I was lucky enough to have two parents that took responsibility for every well, goddamn the thing difference. they did that was yeah. damaging. Because they had never been their age with a seven-year-old child being cheated on for the first time like my mother had never been in that situation my father had never been in that situation do we make shitty choices in life fuck yeah we do it a lot but it's how you walk through it and how you come out of it and how you 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 change and how you learn from it and they did you know what I mean so so I couldn't look I mean the damage is done when you're a child for sure because your subconscious is completely tampered with and there's nothing you can really do to unravel that mm-hmm. without yeah. years of therapy, which, you know, of course, I went through years of therapy. I mean, and meditation.
1: You're, I you're, mean, why not? You're, you're a meditator. For me, if someone takes that, you said that your parents took the accountability and the responsibility, it doesn't matter. It's almost like it doesn't, you can get through it, whatever it is as an adult, maybe not a child, but like you you were an adult when they took accountability. For, so for that, that's healing. I was that's human. I was much yeah. older, but I will say that when I had my own
0: children, I had to revisit all of the ideas of forgiveness that I once had that I mm-hmm. put away because now I didn't feel as forgiving because now I'm with two little children with two little hands and mm-hmm. just their I will start to cry. You know, I will with all their vulnerability and the thought. Of ever fucking leaving one of them, or forgetting about one of them, or anything like that—you know, scaring them with a fight, um, arguing with a man in front of them—that would scare them in such a way that they would ha- lose faith in the human interaction. Um, yeah. All of these things, like it would—it it, it crushed my soul. So I really had to revisit.
1: Yeah. Even
0: though I knew that nothing was black and white, and even though I knew that she had made her mistakes and has to live with her own mistakes, my mom being my mom being that person in that situation, my dad included, mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a there's an element of you have to forgive, but but. It's, you know, I watch my mom now who I think I've explained on here. She's brilliant, brilliant mind. And I only Mm. bring her up because of Livia, because we're relating to things. And because her mother, she considered her mother to be Livia, to her. Um, And I'll explain how. And I have before, but I'll mention it again because it's really relevant Mm. to this episode. But um, I always forgave my mother for everything because of the mother that she had. Um, but does it make it excusable? No, it does not. Especially when you look at your, my son looks just like me. So, and he is just like me. Like he's a little misguided and, and not <laughs> focused. You know, my daughter is more like shooter. She's just got it together. You know, yeah. I am a wild card, man. And so is he. So trying to figure out how to parent him is really interesting. Um, and I know. This I know me... about
1: that. I've got the same. You got. And they are have the same name. They have the same name. <laughs> the same name. I mean, Our Wayland. Blackjack, two Waylands. Yep. Uh-huh. It's always a learning. It's always a learning process. This takes me to Carmela walking
0: into Green Grove. Ah, oh, this scene. Um, this scene is the scene that this is why I was leading into the whole mom narcissist. Um, the way mothers have power over their children. And she says to her, you are bigger than life. Tony would rather die than see you get hurt. And he says, you don't, she says to her, you don't ha- know the power you have.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I love I think... the way she's sticking up for Tony, by the way, Carm. Like you see yeah. that love. She wants the relationship. She wants him to have a healthy relationship with his mother. She wants his mother to treat him right. And she's just manipulating the hell out
0: well of them. if he had a different mother there would be, have been a good chance that he might have might have even gotten out of the business I mean yeah. my yeah. dad's whole family mm-hmm. they they stayed in the business um, some of them did but but uh, my dad got out of that world um, because he had a, a woman that was like forget it do you, you, you mess with this stuff you're out yeah you know because of my father. Like, I'm not not marrying my father, basically. Um, But the whole bigger-than-life thing, and she—I thought this scene was um, really—this scene was heavier than a regular Livia scene. Yeah. It was much heavier.
1: She lashes out, and then she manipulates with tears and and passive-aggressiveness and the victim. She always does that, though. She always Mm -hmm. does that. I think— I think that this in this one you
0: feel the heaviness of never being able to get through to her in a different way than other episodes. Yes. You really and you feel the sadness. You feel Livia's own remorse for not being able to break the the chains off of herself. I felt that.
1: I felt I that in her performance. I could be crazy, but I felt that. Um, because this I is a, thought this she is was it. thinking about her. Everything was everything that Carm tried. She went in there trying to help, trying to help Tony, trying to help Livia. And Livia was every little word that Carm said that could have been like when she said the um, notion about like, oh, you have a companion in Junior. And she's like, what are you talking about? Um, I'd rather, what does she say? Something about, she gets defensive thinking that her and Junior have a relationship. And she's yeah. like, you know, my husband was a saint. And she keep, and Karm is just defeated. She is just constantly like there's no use. OK, you know, there's
0: but that not- was the for of all Olivia scenes. This was the one where I was like, you really f- felt like she was in. Um, she reminded me because all kids are all little kids grow up as narcissists you know what i mean yeah and to totally. a degree because well, it's me it's se- about me now how can i get what i need And how am i going to manipulate
1: you and my, you my really felt he's her. he's a master manipulator still yeah my oh my yeah. too
0: but um yeah. you really really feel her as an inconsolable child for the first mm-hmm. time as opposed to i didn't I, I i know she was manipulating in this episode but i felt her more as a inconsolable child than the master manipulator in this particular scene and everything's about to change. Now this is a setup for 12 and 13 where Holy fuck, she's going to do, she's going to mastermind, um, her entire, she's going to backtrack. She's going to do all kinds of snaky, um, things here, but anyhow, with that character and and mm -hmm. the, the power a mother has over a child, it really is um, immeasurable and mm-hmm. priceless. So you ha- we have to be so 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 careful how oh, we treat our babies. And I feel like so... I mess up all day long. I feel like I'm long. always messing up.
1: I know it's you just know. like everything. Um, and
0: my boyfriend's rubbing my leg like you are honey. It's
1: okay. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. They'll be fine, I promise. He's rubbing my okay. leg.
0: He's like, it's all right. It's all
1: right. You're crazy. <laughs> So then we go back to Pussy's house, and we're discussing um, Tony visits Pussy, right? He's talking mm-hmm. about the college tuition and what a good-looking son Pussy has. Mm-hmm. He's cute. He is cute. You know what's, what was interesting to me about Pussy says to Tony something? I don't have the exact quote, but he says, I'm not going to let my son get fucked like I was, like I am. Like he. everybody wants a difference. For their son, for their, you know, so he's, and he's telling Tony that, and Tony's his boss. You know, he's to basically kind of leashing out a little bit to Tony, like, this is not what I, this is not what I wanted for myself or, nor my son. Oh, well, you can also see the kind
0: of home Pussy has compared to the kind of home that, that Tony mm-hmm. has, you also see in this episode the kind of home that Mikey has compared to the kind of home that Tony has. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you do see a lot of the um, class differences and how much money and, and what kind of earners they are. So yeah. the fact that Tony, that that, that uh, Pussy's running running heroin, you know, that's a big deal. It's a big deal in that world.
1: yeah. yeah. And then he's basically saying that things are happening. Tony's telling him he's got options. He goes um, uh,
0: he he says uh, he goes I got things. And Tony goes, "What kind of things?" And he goes, "Things." And I'm like, "Well, if this doesn't fucking sum up the whole entire episode, then I don't know what does." A line a a, a couplet of lines as as simple as that basically sums up one of the most <laughs> amazing masterful shows in the world for an episode. That's that's the that's the episode's line. <laughs>
1: okay, we're done. <laughs> I got things. I- what things? Things. <laughs> <laughs> I got things. Okay, back to the bada-bing. And Tony's telling Polly um, that Pussy's wearing a wire. Uh, well, that last a good look, scene, by too. the way,
0: at, at the house with, with, with Pussy, that last uh-huh. look he gives him as he walks away to make the coffee, you know, the next scene. It, this has to be dealt with now. Because yeah. that look he gives him, he's all, you know, joking around with him and stuff, the coffee. And now he's got that Tony Soprano look and you're like, fuck, what's he gonna do? So yeah. boom, we're at the bada bang next.
1: Bada bang. Telling Polly that pussy is wearing a wire. This was I this was a scene. good scene. Right? And then Polly yeah, takes quiet. such a long beat. Yeah, quiet. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Why do you think he volunteered to do why do you think he wanted to do it? Was he trying to prove something to Tony? Like what was what what do you think that that was going on in his head there?
0: Loyalty, this thing of ours, and um, and you don't betray that. And he does, you know, he doesn't have a family like he has his mom that he loves. Oh, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Um, I think you know that a rat is a. You don't have to ask me what a rat means on The Sopranos. <laughs> You are not a rat. You know what, people? No, but you know, Stop. by the way, watching this episode was very interesting for me. That they needed to be one hundred, double percent. I need fucking proof. I need proof. The way he's, you know, driving that point home. They didn't want any fucking
1: proof. That I was a rat. I know. Shh, we're not supposed to give spoilers. Remember? Oh, whatever. It's whatever. impossible, people. Anyway, it's impossible. Tony wanted a hundred and he says, I want a hundred and I want to be a hundred and ten percent. Sure. I don't. I yeah. want to see it. I want to see the wire. He's always searching for concrete evidence, basically. Um, you know what this made talking about relating? Not like I, I'm well, I'm not relating, but like when something's so hurtful that someone's so close to you, when you hear this information, we've all been to, in some degree of that, of Betrayed. that. Betrayed. Yeah. We've all been there. And I feel like you want, how many times have you've heard people hiring private investigators on their husband? They know that they're cheating. Their boyfriend, their husband. I have a friend who did that. They just needed that. I'm like, he's cheating. You know, he's cheating. They needed to see it to leave. They needed to see it in black and white, you yeah. know, to get out. And that's how we are. I feel like as human beings, it's like it's it's hard. Well, some of us.
0: Well, this At- is a uh, this is a point where he, he's just not going to go for the uncertainty. He can't kill a family member in that kind of uncertainty. Um, no. But, you know, this is what David Chase does. And he's done it throughout the the whole entire series, down to the very last scene of the last episode. And that's the beauty, because you get to really, um, you know, that's art. Art isn't, you know, art's never going to give you the answers, but it's going to make you think, I I would hope, I
1: think. Think about it for weeks and have dreams about it and everything, yes. Yes. Okay. Tony learns that Livia is um visited is often visited by Junior and he's telling the administrator that the house is sold. It's a funny scene. He's yeah. sad. He comes
0: in there with such a sadness about him. I was I, I was also in that scene like, hmm, I wonder what that what the what the prep was for this scene, because he came in there with a with um with a sadness.
1: Well, For me, that scene was about—I found it peculiar that she was—they were talking about Livia, and he was like, she's not doing—I don't know what he said, but her comment was, oh, she's doing great. She's exercising in the pool with all of her friends. So it just shows you that she's manipulating them constantly with, this place is horrible. How dare you throw me in this place? And and the administrator is saying— Oh no, she's doing water aerobics or whatever. I don't even know what she yeah, said. Yeah,
0: it's further rejection of of your mother. And yeah. again, the relate for me, yeah, as I've told you about with my own mom, is oh, you know, her mother rejected her because mm-hmm. she was so because she was just like Livia, just like her. Um, and then my mother tried to be the opposite of that. So she tried to become a career woman sort of thing and an artist. So she also ended up rejecting everybody in the midst of doing that. Um, That kind of rejection leaves a kid always trying, hey, you know, trying to find a way for that mom to pay attention. And the truth is, I never got, she never fucking paid attention until I ended up in the same industry she was. And I was famous, (laughs) you know but that's not true that no no no, that's not true it's not true it was way before that when i was 21 and when she took responsibility for for all the bullshit but um but i did i do relate to to that 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 element of Mm -hmm. you know having to be self-consumed otherwise you feel like you're not you know you feel like you're not breathing to a degree it's survival it's it's total survival on their end um you know my mom wasn't a narcissist but her mother she considered her mom to be a narcissist we all had narcissistic qualities said I mean, we yeah. all do yeah.
1: um anyways wait wait hold on um, the one's the one thing in that scene which took me out of i mean i kept on going back into to like what they being, what the scene was about how large was that desk she was like this
0: what? She I looked love like her. Who midget. plays that character too? Oh my
1: she looks like forget a her name. little tiny person. with this tiny. Little desk. No, no, no. The desk was he was up to her. Oh, I didn't know. Oh my god! I was like, I couldn't keep my eyes off of that desk. I was like, I why did notice. he choose that? Was that a was that a choice or was that just a happenstance? I don't know.
0: That's her little office. Oh, and then he brings her Mario Lanza CDs, um, and he says that yeah. Lanza is the cure for her depression. And that's sweet. And he's always trying to bring her things to capture her love and her attention. And nothing, nothing seems to work. You know, no. my mom would do that with her mother, and nothing worked. It was she. I'm disgusted.
1: If anything, I'm it makes fucking it work.
0: Disgusted. Yeah, yeah, she would just. I can't stomach these people. Like she talked just like Livia. It was amazing. I loved her. I mean. I, I loved her because she was a character you know what i mean yeah, she was it, yeah. funny but for my mother it wasn't funny and it's it's no coincidence my mom now has dementia because i think she's like i can't face the fact that I, I probably wasn't the best daughter and i wasn't the best mother and i'm like my you did the best you could can you drop the dementia act <laughs> <laughs> let's move on mom <laughs> let's move on anyways um not you mom I- talking about you to your mom but go well, ahead. I would like to um, I would like to take a sponsor break right I now. I would too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Chris, I gotta take a break. Just meet. Just me... Oh God. Oh. Okay, okay, I won't. I won't. But... I'm in so much pain right now, please. I just wanna I just wanna stop recording for five minutes so I can go sit with my Theragun. Oh my God! You're crazy. I need to break up everything that's in my shoulders right now because I'm suffering from a terrible headache. And I know that if I work on my traps with my with my my faithful Theragon, that I will not have a headache anymore and I can continue um, recording. But right now, I, I will stop. I know I'm being intrusive, and and I will, I will put my Theragon away. <laughs> you know how Please. much I love my Theragon. I know. Anyways, you do. You're obsessed. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's all about breaking up all of that stuff. In here so that you can feel totally free. Oh, again. Um, So I might take a little break um, from recording just so that I can work on my neck and break up all the muscle tension with my, my, um, my handheld percussive device. Is that okay with you? You do that. You do that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, they're also our sponsor in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> my we favorite, love it's my favorite sponsor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll get back to work. I do enjoy my proof panties. Now, let me explain to you about these panties. I am not on my period lo- right now. I love when
1: you say panties. Panties.
0: I call them panties. Is that okay? Is it wait, do people call them something different? Am I <laughs> like in a time? Underwear.
1: Warp? By the way, when you you're addicted to these things and I, I'm new to this whole game and I'm like thinking it's gonna be like uncomfortable, the softest, most comfortable I wanna replace all my underwear with them. Go ahead. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying. I am wearing them now because I just I like to wear them all the time. Anyways, I'm wearing them right now because that's my go to grab panties these days, especially in quarantine while I'm just chilling at home and I'm hanging out and I just want to be comfy. But I also realized that with this particular brand um, proof, I can wear them with my jeans and I'm not even wearing the G string version of the panties. I'm wearing the regular version and they don't give you panty lines because they're seamless. Oh, really? So, yeah, I, I am obsessed with my proof panties and I just wanted to make a joke about the fact that I might just pee my pants right here because I can't get up during the podcast. <laughs> oh, wait, but the, oh, the other thing about these panties, I just have to say it because it's important to me because I'm really digging them. No, I know. You're like
1: obsessed. By the way, you're obsessed. I'm obsessed. I know. I know, I know. I have an obsession. This um, is like... the...
0: Proof, the proof panty has a, has a, a patented... Um, pad in there, um, called leak lock. And it's way different because I've tried every single period panty on the market. Why these didn't exist when I was a young kid, I'll never know. When I was roller skating, I didn't have leak proof panties. I mean, please. When I was dancing, like when I was a kid, like these are great for little girls, you know, The, the leak lock, um, patent, the thing about that particular thing is that it is not toxic. And a lot of the, the panties that I have tested and gone through that mm-hmm. are these period panties, a lot of them are toxic. Um, they have toxic chemicals that are actually
1: against your vajay. No nasty chemicals.
0: Now, um, perfect um, outro to our um, proof panties mm-hmm. is um, Pauly Walnut is surveilling pussy. <laughs> How is that? we're 12 story? I yeah. mean we're fucking 12 right we're 12 years a, old who, cares? I, might be who nine. cares
1: I might be nine I might be nine okay yes okay so I'm now going. all
0: of a sudden we're watching pussy who's having a hard time walking a pussy who's having a hard time moving around okay follow me it's a surprise they go to the Russian baths by the way Paul his freaking car but
1: Can by the just way go in, the Russian, in the Russian in the, in the spa whatever they're gonna get a spitz, whatever he's calling it Shit. How weird was that scene? Yeah, whatever. I can't say that. Word. Oh, I
0: love it. I love those bathhouses. So old timey.
1: I know, but, um, but he's—he's like—he's like. Did you believe pussy when he was saying it's about his doctor? He can't do the hot water. He can't do the steam. I believed him. I might be naive though.
0: I really believed him when he <laughs> laid it on thick in the end and said, "Because I have fucking high blood pressure, man." That part, like I really, yeah. Um, I did, too. Yeah, I did, too, because it's that's a, that's the truth. But then he also tells Tony Soprano that he um, was going to go home and take a hot bath.
1: Oh, I didn't even pick but up on that. Y-
0: you know what? You can take a hot bla- bath with high blood pressure, but you may not be able to actually be
1: in a schvitz. I don't know. Uh, bada-bing, where Silvio tells Tony... Um... What did t- Marquezian who told Tony that pussy was wearing a wire? They're outside. They're outside of the Bing. Oh yes, this was a great scene. Well, Silvio is basically trying to convince Tony, and there's a reason that Pussy Pussy is not the informant, and Marquezian is um, a gambler, a degenerate gambler, and he owes Pussy thirty thousand dollars, right?
0: Yeah, that's where he finds out he's into into Pussy for thirty large. Um, I- but Once uh, again, I believed it. Once again, well, I think Tony wants to believe anything he can believe because of the uncertainty and the <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> um, he mentions Gravano here. This is a, this was a good mention because um they Salvatore uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano. Uh huh. Yes, I could be wrong about this. Don't quote me, but I'm just going to take a swing at it. But I think he was one of the highest ranking um, members of the five families to ever break his omerta to uh, to talk to the feds. Now, okay, both Sammy the Bull and um, Big Pussy have the same name, Salvatore. Both of them have the same name. And um, they were both running drugs. Um, I mean, wow. uh, Gravano's biggest claim to fame was that enormous ecstasy ring he was running and he made
1: millions
0: um but he took down gambino that was his uh, his underboss but i don't really know i don't know the story about how the other families felt about the drug ring i don't really i don't mm-hmm. know a lot about it and i'm i will be learning more about it as we go
1: along because now i've my interest has been peaked and you know me so then we go to the kitchen Which I like to talk about Meadow being sassy because I have a sassy daughter. She's so sassy now.
0: Oh, mine is
1: I mean, I was even and Meadow with the with the comments, but Tony brings it right back in. Nineteen fifty four. No more sex talk. Simplicity. That's what he wants. Yeah. I can dig it. I mean, I can dig it. I, you know something? I'm the one,
0: I am with my mouth, I am the one parent who never had to talk with my kids.
1: Oh, my God. Are you serious? Swear to God. You don't need, Extra actually, fun. you know what? I take all that back you don't need to. Your daughter is like, she's the most innocent little girl in the she world. She
0: knows everything about everything. She learned it in that filthy school, the inside of her locker, sketched, etched in big letters, says, suck my dick.
1: Horrible. Um,
0: so I didn't have, to, I was like, so you know a lot, and she's like yeah i know everything i'm like thanks i'm happy we didn't have to fucking talk about it okay no you're done so now she's just... allowed to watch tvs that have themes of of um sexual um talk to a degree yeah um but he no mr littles can't know anything yet
1: no you're a low guy no, he's but too tony's innocent. is your year, tony's yearning for an um, my neck's hurting me where's that theragon? <laughs> <laughs> what the I fuck miss- is that, Theragon? Brandon, <laughs> I, miss, I miss talking okay. about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, but Tony's yearning for a more innocent time. Always, always. He's nineteen fifty-four. He just doesn't want to talk about sex. Everything has to be concrete, innocent. That whole thing. And then we're we, go we to the all br-
0: yearning for a more innocent time.
1: I am, especially right now. I Quarantine. always am. I
0: always am. I want... I yearn for a more innocent time with an elevated consciousness.
1: Interesting. We go to the bridge where Marquezian kills himself. Well, what surprised me in that episode... I, I don't know if that stuck out to you, but he was in a rush. He's in the car. He's in traffic... Why are you in a rush to kill yourself? Is it have to be at a certain time? Like, do you remember when he was like on that bridge? I I think it was on a bridge, or yeah, it was on a bridge. Obviously, Um, but he was like in a rush in traffic, and then to pull over, I'm like, what is he doing? And he gets out and jump. No, another abstract painting, another Sopranos abstract painting. Totally surprised me that choice by David Chase or whoever to make him be in the in a rush in traffic just to kill himself like wow yeah what a what a roller coaster right do you think
0: that maybe tony had such a disdain for him aside from the fact that he was someone who couldn't control himself tony's very much in control in a lot of ways as much Mm -hmm. as he can be yeah um which is why the panic attacks bring him to a shrink because he's like i need to be able to control this this is too much for me um, do you think that he doesn't like him because he's disloyal to his own kind to the force? And Tony would never be disloyal?
1: Maybe to he his, looks down um, on that. Yeah, I never thought about that. Maybe he looks down so, upon him for being that type of rat, so then yeah. um, Tony gets the call about Mckasey and suicide, and um, basically, they're saying that it's their only shot to know Pussy was really the rat or not, so they'll never know ambiguity, know. yep, right. uncertainty uncertainty and ambiguity and then they're at the whorehouse and tony and the madam are talking and tony's trying to get information out of her
0: yeah and she like i said earlier in this the opening shot of the uh, of no not the opening shot but that shot between she and she and um she and vin and tony she says mm-hmm. i don't i don't believe it to be true um and then she doesn't reveal anything else in that final scene so she must know something. Anyhow, um, she says, "Who wouldn't want to sleep with their shrink?" The look he gives her—it's so good. Yeah, and, but she did say he trusted you, Tony, and mm. and you always you always know where you stand. That's with Tony, why. Soprano.
1: That is why. When she says that he always trusted you, I feel that he did set up the sting. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I felt his That's guilt. Interesting. And I was like, he did it. He always trusted him, and he set up the sting. He took away the one thing that he said meant a lot to him. So it's like Vesuvio. hmm Yes. It's exactly like Artie and mm-hmm. Vesuvio's. Yes. And, he, and so he was sitting there in that world of guilt again, not knowing. And he fucked up. He's making these choices, and he, he did the wrong—you know, he reacted, made the wrong call once again because—well, we can get there in a second, but— so now we're at um, Green Grove. And she's a
0: complete miseria in this, in this scene. And um, Livia called um, Junior in an emergency to come there because she needed somebody to cry to about the fact that he sold her house, that Tony Soprano sold her house. And he, she believed that he was going to be floored by this the way she was. And when he said, well, what the fuck else was he supposed to do with it?
1: I know. Um, he, she pivots. did it. He didn't co-sign her craziness, yeah. No, and she pivots big time,
0: um, and she switches gears like this, and um, and she just happens to mention in a very sidewindy circuitous way. <laughs> well, I suppose they didn't want to meet at my house, all of the cap- the capos yeah. and stuff. And then she tells him that all of these um, moms have been moved into Green Grove, et cetera, and of course. Of well, course that... Junior thinks that he's been that this is a ploy to take him down. And he's been left out of all this information. And later on you'll you'll hear that conversation come up again by the
1: end of this season. That um, house that house sale for her meant so much. And for her, it was to, it convinced her to manipulate Junior to react to Tony. And that was it. It was like it was the last straw. She's had enough, and that's when she knew what she was doing. She knew that Junior was gonna make make a call. She says,
0: "He says she. He comes in about Johnny Sack. He comes in with his mohair suits and his shoe lifts, <laughs> and and Junior goes shoe lifts, suits, Plurisy. <laughs> I can't fucking deal with it, Plurisy. I mean." He's I love so when, funny. Um, yeah,
1: um, I like when he says something. Well, he's she's talking. Junior's plotting against Tony. She said, "Well, maybe." Um, well, she said, "Livia says maybe it was you." They we were talking about like she's just oh yeah constantly dropping bombs. But then oh my god, I should have never said anything. She says something like, uh, "I sh- I guess I should have kept my mouth shut and be a mute. I'd be a mute. Always the victim." This is.
0: This is the the Livia, the I Claudius references that come in now, where she's she is ma- the grand grand manipulator. Yeah, um, and she t- so t- will t- become even more manipulative as she backtracks later on. Um, she goes, "I just don't like being put in the middle of things." No, okay. And then and then he flips out and goes, and he that's the first time you ever hear him not be able to put a sentence together. there still be blood, you know, like all of, he, all of these sort of choppy sentences. And she goes, I don't like that kind of talk. Um,
1: and then it's, oh God, what did I say now? Um, I just don't know if she's, you know, a narcissist or she's just, so, I have so many people that I know like that from the East Coast. I don't know. It's more of a, I don't know.
0: There's anyway. a thing called splitting, that you you can listen or read about. Some psychiatrists talk about it, but she to me has traits of borderline disorder, narcissism, splitting. Um, she's she is just a salad of crazy. Um, all just to like well, I don't know what the end game is. Like the end game is is just other people's misery. Really, it's not even like it's going to
1: feed her in any in any capacity so yeah. well she just feels abandoned abandoned and she's just reacting and
0: and she hasn't crazy. been abandoned in any way no, no
1: no no but it's just a constant like I, I mean i would love to get into her i wonder with the prequel if they're going to get into her at all With that i don't know but god
0: i would love it if they got layla robbins to play her because layla robbins killed it on the Sopranos.
1: Oh my god, she was fantastic playing her. So then we're back at the Soprano kitchen where um, Jimmy shows up at the dinner. That's a great scene too.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's all right. It's a quickie. It's a
1: it's an informational scene. You you see that there's a possibility that he's a rat. Uh, possibility for me, it was done. I when they were in the basement talking about, and he he just didn't play it cool. He didn't play it cool the way he was like hammering Tony.
0: Yeah, but you all that stuff he's saying could have, it's you know you don't it's still
1: it's still ambiguous. You still don't know, you still don't know. I we did. still don't know. <laughs> I did at that scene. I'm like we still he's, don't the, know. he's the rat. I don't remember any of this from twenty years ago. So right now in my I don't head, either. He's the rat. So then we go to body bada bing. Tony tells Silvio it's Jimmy. Right, right. and then he he flips out
0: on he flips the fuck out on Pauly for being late. That's an intense scene. That's one of those moments where where you have Jim Gandolfini like an animal in a cage, um, being un- unleashed onto Tony Sirico in that scene. Poor Tony. Um, I love the way he looks at his hand down on his arm like that when he's touching him. You know, because Pauly, you know, he Sirico came from that world a hundred percent. He says, "May your mother die of cancer of the eyes." The eyes.
1: <laughs> I love. Why? That. I was watching. Why with do my we husband. say
0: these things?
1: Why cancer? I was like, "Wow, does cancer of the eyes must be something really painful?" <laughs> May your mother, May your mother, mother die of, of, cancer of cancer of the of eyes. The eyes. <laughs> oh. Oh but it was it made sense to Tony because he said uh, um he mixed up the two fat fucks with black hair. <laughs> pussy right. And Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That Marquesia mixed them up. And he says, I can't find pussy anywhere. Nobody knows no. anything. So we have a reference to the title again.
1: Yeah. And I can't find to-
0: pussy anywhere. Nobody knows anything.
1: And then we, um, go, then to we Mikey- go to Mikey's house. Yes. Which was so good. So I good. like that scene. Yeah, it's I a good too. scene. Good,
0: simple little scene he reminds me of everybody that i know in my world from back then even some mm-hmm. of my cousins and stuff he reminds me of the voices i i remember hearing i like his sense of humor with her yeah. um i love how she calls it a brome he's just yeah. always it's like you know when, when aj calls it monica kaczynski or something or like when junior <laughs> When Junior calls it the Escovedo brothers, I just like when they make mistakes.
1: The best line of that whole entire scene were, were you the stupid when I married you? Yeah. (laughs) Were you the stupid
0: when I met you? I also can't believe how stupid the two of them are.
1: I know. I know. He tells her. He tells her. But that's so real, man. You know that jackass like that. I mean, I feel like I know so many of those types of kids from Jersey Shore where I went to college that were were like that. Yeah, I mean, come on.
0: Christopher would never have told me. And he was at the level of a Mikey Palmisi in certain ways. Christopher was deeper, but he was that right-hand man to the main boss. Um,
1: He would have never told Adriana, ever. There's something really pathetic about Mikey Palmisi, though. You know, he just like he wants to gossip. He wants his chick to be like, "Oh my God, you're going to be next in line." So he's gossiping to her, and like, yeah. h- of course she's going to be at the nail salon or somewhere, telling oh, it's somebody.
0: Gonna oh my God, it's going to happen. Of course. You know what else I thought about Michelle San Pietro? That's her name. That's her name. Michelle San Pietro. I, I think I ended up hanging out with her a bunch when we, when we were doing the show. I believe that, but I did notice. She mm. had a nice tushy.
1: I like She liked was her cute tushy. with her little red hair and like, oh, my God, I need a yep. new car. I need a new car. I, I her. Like- Anyways, last scene. Yep. Take it to the bridge.
0: Take it to the bridge. Very, I love it. It's very peaceful. It's a very peaceful scene. It's it, To me, it feels like the, the calm, uh, even though he's contemplative and he's deep in thought, I think... Um, that And I think it might be the bridge where and killed himself.
1: Uh-huh. The Raritan River.
0: Yeah. I think that it's very peaceful right. moment. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the calm before the storm of, of what's about to happen in the next two episodes. Well, actually, in the next episode.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to add a segment to the show tonight. Oh. We are going to add the music element to the show because I think we can't gloss over it anymore. I think it's too important because music was so important to David Chase and to the history of the show. Mm-hmm. So that scene ends with um, with a song called Manifold de Amor by the Latin Playboys. And it says, voy a navegar la puerta de la alma, cruzando el mar hasta que llegue, hasta que llegare. And that means I'm going to navigate to the, to the door of my soul, um, cruising the, the beach until I get there, cruising the ocean until I get there. Voy a navegar la la puerta del alma. So it's the door door to your soul is basically what it's saying. Um, I felt like that's really interesting because things are about to get very hairy as far as life and death situations and blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: As far as the music
0: goes, I will gloss over it quickly. I Please. loved the, mu- the music in the Bordello. I loved the R&B vibes, um, old school blues. It was old, it was old blues, Johnny Adams, really smooth. And there are two times that you hear the same artist playing there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the songs are Walking on a Tightrope and My Heart is Hanging Heavy. Um, in the Bing Bust, there is a band called Pretty and Twisted, Johnette Napolitano. And the name of the song is "The Highs Are Too High." Then, um, and that's when uh, when pussy's farting. It's the pussy farting song. In case anybody needs a reference, I, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> oh wait, no. I'm sorry. The pussy farting song is a song called "Slide." What is? Wait, why, that... what? What? I, I
1: I'm not even gonna ask. He okay. farts.
0: Pussy has a a bunch of farts oh, in this pussy. episode. pussy.
1: Got it. Okay. Anyway, now we're moving to fun okay. facts.
0: So now no, we're not done with the songs. We're we're gonna go through these songs really quick. At the Bing, there's a song called co- there's a song called Slide by the Hotheads. Then we have Mickey, Mickey's Monkey, um, and the miracles, and that's um, the name of the song is Mickey's Monkey, and it's by the miracles at the Sopranos mm-hmm. House. That's one of my favorite old timey songs from like the 50s, 60s. It's a great song. And, and I like that they play that in the house, in that scene, because Tony Soprano says, out there it's 1990-whatever, but in here it's 1954. So playing that song in the house, at their open house, makes total sense, because there is an innocence to that. Yeah. Um, at the Bing, Vin's uh, suicide phone call, that song that's playing in the background, I was losing my mind. Like, why is this a song that I used to hear over and over again as a kid? And it's Kiss. It's Lick It Up by Kiss. I can't believe that we even got the rights to a Kiss song. I mean, amazing. That's amazing. Who had to suck Gene Simmons' dick to get that friggin' song? And then it's it's um it's Bad, you know, by R. L. Burnside, which I think pops up in the middle somewhere. But that song, I feel like, comes up repeatedly. It reminds me of something throughout the series, and I don't know what, but that's a great one. It's Bad You Know by R.L. Burnside. Done. Done with my music segment, but I am now forever going to do the music segment, and y'all can just go fuck yourselves, but I'm going to. Anyways, fun facts. Paulie's car plays the opening notes to the Godfather theme, continuing to his strings of outright classic mob film references this season. By the way, I had to look up what car he was driving. He's driving uh, Cadillac DeVille. And not, oh no! Paulie's driving an Eldorado. Pussy drives a Cadillac DeVille. FYI, um, Tony mentions Gravano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know about that. Um, one of my favorite lines is when Paulie Walnut sends, "He got cat scans. He got dog scans." <laughs> <laughs> um, we got our Stunad's guide to mob ling- lingo. Lingo, go, go. You want go. C- no, you go. What's that? Kapuza? S- what is that fucking smell? That's what that means. Maron mm. means my guy. Maron. It means the, the Madonna actually, um, the and Ma-lo-ks. the Malokia. The Ma- Malokia is actually spelled M-A-L-O-C-C-H-I-O, and that is the evil eye when someone Every... puts a curse on you.
1: Or you, if you're playing pool, you do you do a cross before the like the hole when you shoot the thing, so no one gets it in your corner. Just so you know, I I didn't know these things. No, I, I wear I horns.
0: Know. I wear so fists. I, I I wear this thing. I go, like I go like this.
1: Give it them a look, and I do this, and then when I'm playing pool, so no one the ball doesn't go in the hole. Well, that's if what this is for. Assumed. I know. I go like this, and I go like this, and I do a cross in front of the actual pool, and it always I did works. I know these things. Just so this mm-hmm. is this is my own my own my own craziness. All right, who got whacked? We all know.
0: What well, we don't? We don't we, nobody got whacked. mckaysian committed suicide. Um yeah. guido, guido Chic. chic. Forget about it. Who cares? It's all about Carmelo's hair in this episode. No, and it's and, all about his. It's Ollie's maroon
1: puma suit. Nope, huh? nope, nope. The Prince of Sopranos, your man, was wearing the best track suit. Did you see oh, it? It the short like sleeve baggy? one again? He's worn what? that before. The short sleeve tracksuit. No, it wasn't short He's sleeve. It, it was long. No, 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 no. It was a long sleeve. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, oh, it was remember. good
0: it was i I felt like like vinny was like
1: baggy i don't know i loved it not vinny um what's
0: his name uh sirico looks so sharp in his maroon puma suit that was my favorite
1: but his his pants were pulled up so high at the he was at the spa and i was like you know know. he had his wife beater on and his pants were up here oh my Uh god it was so funny i love the fashion here okay what's on the menu at vesuvio's
0: it's easy this week: prosciutto, rigot
1: pie, and cannoli. Mm. Rigot
0: pie is one of my favorite things oh. in the world, I and that's know. ricotta pie for you guys who don't understand what what rigot pie rigot. means. Rigot, and that I is did. a cheesecake. It's an actual cheesecake. That is not an American-style cheesecake. It's Italian cheesecake. Cannolis, we love it. And now we're done. And I'm going to go get in bed and nurse my fever because I feel like shit, everybody. But thanks for hanging no. with us. And keep on listening to us and keep on subscribing and link in bio and blah diddy, blue dee blue this Subscribe, YouTube. subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe, yeah. all those things. Five stars, six stars, 35,000 stars.
1: <laughs> you know, we love you guys. <laughs> subscribe and like our videos please okay yes go ahead well that's it for today's episode of Made
0: Women a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in please remember to subscribe and listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours from (laughs) and join us next week when we look at episode 12 Isabella where we'll see Tony become infatuated with a mysterious raven-haired temptress who was moved Mm -hmm. in next door
1: Okay, see you on the turnpike. I'm out. Made Women is a Calvary audio production. Produced by Brandon Morgan and co-produced by Margot Carmichael. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Bernetti. Executive produced by Dre DiMatteo and Chris Kushner. Edited by Podley.